You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, let's take a look at some of the biggest names who are leaving the 12th Man program for this upcoming season. Here's the reality of it, guys. We all know what the actual deal is. No matter where you play, whether it be for the 12th man in College Station with Texas A&M fighting Aggies, down in the bayou of the swamps of Louisiana for the LSU Tigers, out in the plains of Auburn for the Tigers, or if you go to sweet home Alabama and play at Bright Day Stadium in front of the Alabama Crimson Tide, the message, clear. The answer, promising. And the ultimate goal, all the same. Continue my playing career and go to the NFL. And several Aggies will be leaving the program this upcoming offseason to try and get their shot at making it to the next level. And some of those players will actually be down in Mobile this upcoming week to try and earn their shot with 32 different NFL teams to show why they are deserving at the 2021 Senior Bowl. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by, of course, Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. I would be remiss if we did not start the show off talking a little bit about the upcoming Super Bowl. We have two weeks until Super Bowl 55 is officially here, but we do know the two teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to go march into Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers the first time in his history that he had an NFC Championship game in his own backyard. Thanks to a Matt LaFleur muffed play, whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to come out and say it. Dumb play. Horrible play calling. Horrible section. The team decided to go for three with your MVP quarterback, inside the red zone, and it ended up costing you a 31-26 victory in favor of Bruce Arian's squad. That means that another Aggie will be earning his keep at trying to pick up a Lombardi trophy. For the first time in his history of seven years playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Evans not only got to go to the playoffs, he will be hoping to pick up a Lombardi trophy and Super Bowl ring as the go-to wide receiver for Tom Brady and this Buccaneers offense. Now, a lot of people are probably out here saying, why do I talk so highly of Mike Evans? Not because he's an A&M player. I could, and you know what? That would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, he's an A&M alum. Good for him. It's that role that he plays in Tampa Bay, and he's played it for so long. I think people forget just how valuable of a player Mike Evans truly is and how special of a talent Mike Evans truly is. Well, what do I mean by that? Simple. In week 17, Mike Evans suffered a knee injury on, I believe it was the second drive, if I'm not mistaken, against the Atlanta Falcons. He went into the end zone. He was going to get a touchdown. His knee buckled on him. And everyone feared that he may have torn an ACL. He may have broken an AC joint. On the play before, he picked up a 36-yard reception. That marked the seventh time in his career that he would finish with 1,000 yards on the year. He only finished with, like, I think it was 1,041. So it was a down year overall when you break it down. But seven years of 1,000-yard receiving yards. You know, great numbers, right? How many other players have done that to begin their careers? I'll sit and wait. Can anybody think of it? 
Oh, okay. We're just going to go wait. Okay, cool. Uh, none. He is the first. The only other player that got more receiving yards than anyone else besides Mike Evans was Randy Moss to begin his career. The second greatest receiver all time compared to some. Some consider him the greatest receiver of all time, depending on who you ask. He did it in six years. Mike Evans now is the only receiver in the history of the NFL to begin his career with seven 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And not to you know brag or say that it's an insult, but let's just look at his quarterback play. Uh, I don't even remember. It was I think it was Ryan Griffin to begin his career. And then it was, I think, Josh Freeman. And that was James Winston. And that was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that was James Winston again. James Winston, who is consistent. He had 30 touchdowns in 2019. He also led the NFL in in passing yards. He also threw 30 interceptions. The team only had one winning season since Evans joined the staff before Tom Brady got there, where they finished 9-7 and seven in 2017 and missed the playoffs by one game. Mike Evans, in my opinion, is the Matthew Stafford of wide receivers. How does that make sense? Well, I'm glad you asked. Mike Evans is consistent. He's the level of Mr. Consistency. But unfortunately, he's not a big flashy guy. He's not a big celebrator. He's not a big, you know, smack talker. He's not Antonio Brown. He doesn't go out and make some dances. He's not Juju Smith-Schuster. He doesn't go on TikTok and is viral. He doesn't. He's not a Stefan Diggs who kind of demands a trade, not really demands it, but is glad he got it and then becomes an all-pro. He's just there. He's quiet. He's consistent. When you look at the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, the first name that comes to mind probably is Patrick Mahomes. Naturally so. Why wouldn't it be? The next name after that is Deshaun Watson. Sean Watson's kind of thinking about getting a trade. Kind of wants out. He's he's pretty much like, do I want to be in Houston anymore? Then you get Dak Prescott. Maybe he's really good. Maybe he's not. Nobody really knows. Because Dak Prescott is, you know, he's been on these Dallas teams that are fantastic. But at the same time, they've never been anything. They've had really one good year since Prescott got there. And you got some other names I throw in, maybe Josh Allen this year, Lamar Jackson this year and last year. Uh, I would definitely throw in for this year Justin Herbert, what he can do. Got Tom Brady as the old guy. You got uh, let's see, you got Aaron Rodgers because he's the MVP. You got Russ Wilson because he can cook. And then you got Matthew Stafford, who finally, after 12 years of playing mediocrity in the Motor City, is getting his opportunity to go somewhere else. But you look at the stat line. Matthew Stafford isn't worth all that. Oh, but he is. According to people that I've spoken to, and many people know that I cover the NFL for a living as on top of all this, is Matthew Stafford will be minimum worth a first-round pick. But he's 32 and he's been in the league for 12 years. Doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers is 37, and he's probably got about three more years of good football left. Aaron Rodgers is worth two first-round picks at 37. He's 32 and he's been in the league. Deshaun Watson, he's 25. He's worth about four. The way the contract is built and the way that he is made, Matthew Stafford is at least worth a first-round pick because he's so consistent. Because even on these bad teams, he consistently throws for over 4,000 yards a season. In fact, he's the only player 
in NFL history, besides Aaron Rodgers, the guy who everyone says is the other GOAT, to have over 45,000 passing yards and under 100 interceptions in his career. Mike Evans is exactly that. Nobody puts him in that same category as the, you know, as the now Stefan Diggs or as the Antonio Browns for a little bit or the Devontae Adams or the DeAndre Hopkins or we're even going to throw in, let's throw in some other names. Like we don't put him in there with the Allen Robinsons even. We don't put him in there with, man, I'm even blanking on some names because that's how many there just are. You don't put him in that same category. And why? He's the most consistent player. If we're talking about Mr. Consistency, you don't get more consistent than Mike Evans. That's what Mike Evans is. And he's been a proud representative of the 12th man for years at the NFL level. He's been doing it with bad quarterback play, bad offensive line as the only weapon for a little while. And he still finds a way to win. So as someone who covers AM, and I know that there are two other Aggies in this in this game, and we're gonna talk about them in about two seconds. This is the guy I root for. This is the guy I want to see win. Because if he's just been so consistent at what he does, it's hard to imagine why wouldn't you want to see him win? Why wouldn't you want to see him have an opportunity to come out and make a name for himself? Why wouldn't you want to see him be the guy who truly has been everything this franchise has wanted? That's what I say. Our two names for the Kansas City Chiefs who were able to get the 38-24 victory over the Buffalo Bills will be Armani Watts and tight end Ricky Seals-Jones. Now, here's my thing with these two. Both are more special teamers. Both are more depth pieces. Both are part of this team as Death, you know, personnel, they come in for punt returns. They come in for punts, kickoffs. A lot of times in the Super Bowl, one player who maybe is a big-time name, maybe is supposed to be something but never really pans out, has a breakout day, has a big-time moment. Look at this for a second. Raheem Mostert, who remembers Raheem Mostert before last season? He was the reason, all throughout the playoffs, that San Francisco even made it that far. His team lost, but they made it that far because of it. Remember Malcolm Smith, how he had that big pick six on Peyton Manning? He was a seventh rounder nobody even thought of. And then he earned a big time contract with, I believe it was the Raiders in that offseason, like, like, like $57 million because that one play. Remember Mario Manningham down the sideline? You know what he did after that? Nothing. He had one one or two more years in the NFL where he was very average, and then he was a death piece after that, and he never panned out. Remember David Tyree, the catch? One of the greatest Super Bowl plays of all time that I was lucky enough to hear the stories about from my grandfather who was there live as a Giants fan. He played one more year in the NFL. Remember Tracy Porter? The guy who single-handedly picked off Peyton Manning, returned it the other way, and was able to bring the city of New Orleans in a time of struggle and need a Super Bowl championship. I watched one of my best friend's mothers cry because they moved here to Houston from Katrina. And to see New Orleans win that championship was a glimmer of hope. 
that is why when you look at this team, there's always a guy who's going to make a name for himself. I think Kansas City's going to win this game as of right now. Next week, I'll do a little bit more preview and we'll do a little bit more in-depth talking more about it. But Kansas City, in my opinion, is going to win this game. What if it's Ricky Seals-Jones, back of the end zone, time expires, makes an immaculate catch, tip ball back, comes down with it. Tie game. He's a hero in Kansas City. Maybe he won't be a superstar NFL player, but he's a hero in Kansas City because he brought them another championship. What if Armani Watts is on the hands team? Ball comes flying his way. He drops. Yeah, he won't be remembered for everything. But he'll be remembered for that. More importantly, what if he's the guy who causes the fumble that sets up a Harrison Butker field goal? You're remembered for that. You block a punt. You're remembered for that. So I would actually, even though Mike Evans is the star of AM, I would be remiss to say that both of these guys have an opportunity to be a big-time name for Kansas City in a minimal role. That's at least in my, in my opinion. You know, as guys, our identity is so much wrapped around our hair, whether it be our actual facial hair or the top of our head, uh, whether it be, you know, even our chest hair, some people have that. And we always want to look fresh when we go out to impress not just the ladies or the gentlemen, but ourselves. And the older we get, the more we start noticing signs of hair loss. That's why there's now Keeps, the simple way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have the time. Only two FDA-approved hair loss products are out there, and Keeps is actually ranked number one. Keeps treatments usually take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start Keeps, the more hair you'll be able to keep. Go visit keeps.com slash college to receive a first-month treatment for free. Yeah, that's right. You don't even have to pay a single penny to go keep your hair. That's keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash college. Here are some photos if you go onto keeps.com to see exactly what you're dealing with. Results work fast, and guess what? You always want to look fresh. So keep your hair with keeps.com. Lock on Aggies presented by the Lock on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action. Talk about all things Texas A&M. Get more of the sports you want to know in less time with Lock on Today, the brand new podcast with Peter Bukowski, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories and analysis from our local experts here at Locked On Podcast. Start your day off with daily sports knowledge in the first 20 minutes of the afternoon. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So let's talk about this. Who are going to be the biggest names to watch for as AM is losing players? Now, what exactly does that mean? That means that who is going to be the hardest to replace at the end of the day? Who's going to be a name that will be completely irreplaceable or will be definitely one that's going to be hard to find you know, some stability at? Who's going to be a name that you can immediately see take over and have big-time success? Let's start this off. Coming in last place for me, this is going to sound really mean, but it's not. It's Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown is a fantastic player, and Bobby Brown, I think, has definitely earned himself a, a draft stock. I think that when you look at what he can do, for this team and how he can build this roster and what he did in the trenches is nothing short of impressive. And he was consistently the go-to guy for AM's defense. 
But defensive linemen are weird. The more you look at today's NFL and today's college systems, if you're not an all-purpose Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, Stefan, I mean, uh, Cam Hayward, any of those guys, you are not a three-down player. You're a system guy. Some are best used as nose tackles. Some are best used in, th- in only four or three sets where they're playing the three-tech, where they're playing the one-tech, where they're playing the four-tech. Some are used as only pass rushers on third down. Adrian Claiborne for the Cleveland Browns has been in the NFL for the last three years because of he is a third down blitzer. AM has guys just like that. They got McKinley Jackson who started making a name for himself. They have DeMarvin Leal who can play both the inside and the outside. They have guys like Moikie Unsada. I, I, I know I'm butchering his name, but who have yet to see the field. Dallas Walker. Yet to see the field. You don't know what these guys are. And you get back Jaden Peavy. If you lose Jaden Peavy and Bobby Brown, you're in for a little bit of a dip. But you lost Justin Matabike last year, and Jaden Peavy and Bobby Brown stu- 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 stood up and took that next step. You only lose him one. You're not having to replace this entire talented defense. And on top of all of that, you look at how this team is built. You look at where their weaknesses are. Their weakness is not in the trenches. That's actually one of their strongest spots with the team. So unfortunately, I think Bobby Brown, even though he will be missed, will be kind of replaceable. And he'll be replaceable Pretty dang fast, in my opinion. Oh, uh, real fast. The, the other name that I might as well just throw out there, uh, uh, Marvin Kenna Okake, Okiki, uh, he's not returning. I just, you know, he was a special teams player. I mean, when, when you have that kind of happen, you don't really have to worry about if you're returning or not. You're, you're just kind of there. So, sorry, you know, Okiki, I wish you the best, but you're not as important as some other of these players would be. Uh, next up, I'm going to go with Ryan McCollum. Here's Ryan McCollum. McCollum's a one-year starter. McCollum is playing the center role. I think that there is enough talent coming in. I mean, Jimbo Fisher even came out and said, we have guys like Kenyon Green who can play the center if he wants to. He can play anywhere on the offensive line. So you have multiple players. You got guys like Ruben Fathery coming in. You got guys like Bryce Foster coming in. You got guys... Uh, such as Josh Bankhead on the team already. You have guys such as uh, Asunka Antele. You have guys like Chris Morris already coming in. Kenyon Green, if he has to play center, so be it. You're fine. McCollum was a one-year starter who did make AM's offensive line better, but he also was hurt in his junior year. He only has that one-year veteran presence. And yeah, he did go to the College Gridiron Showcase this past weekend and was able to meet with several scouts and was able to start showing what he could do at the next level. And I think that's at least going to be worth him getting a shot to play on a practice squad. If he can land on an NFL team, that's awesome. Good for him. If not, I definitely think the XFL, when it returns in 2022, is going to be open to giving him an opportunity on building something special there. So I look at all that. I think, okay, he'll be missed. But he wasn't the most important offensive lineman. And there are guys out there that definitely I think will be more important to watch for. Next, I'm going to go Jared Hawker. 
interior offensive lineman, there's a reason you play on the interior, in my opinion. And that's not an insult to Hawker. Hawker did a great job this past season. I think he allowed the second least amount of sacks. I think he only allowed half a sack this year. I think the only player that allowed less was Kenyon Green. And you look at what he does. He's good road blocker, good road warrior, building up those trenches, making sure there's running lanes for Isaiah Spiller and Devon A-Chain and for uh, Anaya Smith. Did a good job doing all that. I can't take that away from him. But you could then say, well, Dan Moore may be a terrible left tackle in the NFL. He may be a good right guard. Carson Green may be a terrible right tackle in the NFL. But what do we teach him how to play center? Oh, well, well, Jared Hawker plays guard. But we can't move him outside. That, that's not going to work. Well, we can play him at center, but what if we're good in that position? When you play guard, if you're not a standout, and don't get me wrong, there's so few that are. Quentin Nelson is a name that was drafted in the top uh, six. I mean, he probably was the number one prospect coming out in 2018 for most polished player. There's so few players who play guard naturally and just immediately make an impact at the next level. A lot of times you see more tackles get moved inside to guard and they play guard at the next level. Connor Williams was a name that remembers very well. He was a stout left tackle for, you know, uh, for Texas and Dallas took him and they're like, Oh no, 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 we're never playing you on the outside. You're playing guard. So for me, guards always have that concern it's not that I don't think guards are good. It's just I think guards are limited. And sometimes that works out, and sometimes you don't have to worry about it. But, you know, guards are what guards are. And they're guys who usually cannot handle the pass rush on the outside. Hawker, I think, is a good – once again, he is a good overall player. I'm just not sure that he will be missed. And when you look at this team, again, you got Kenyon Green. You got two guys who have experience. Chris Morris, I think, can come in. And more than any of that, if you keep Kenyon Green at the right guard position, Bryce Foster, the kid out of Katie Taylor, is immediately going to be playing the left guard position. Or, I mean, he's going to be playing the right guard position. And Green will stay at, the, stay at the left guard. And maybe that will be when Green is a first-round pick as a guard prospect. That I could see. But there's not a lot to really worry about with a guy like Hawker, as there is on the outside. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, this episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Now, don't get me wrong. You know the promo code of the past, 12 original flavors, 12 different varieties. Now, there's six new flavors, including uh, lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownie, and cookies and cream. The bars are more like candy bars than they are protein bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious guy because they can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Why? Well, that's simple because they're low in calorie, high in fiber, high in protein, and low in sugar. They're great for anyone on the keto diet. I eat a peanut butter brownie bar every single morning before I go work out. Again, I'm doing this 30-day, two-a-day thing, trying to get better results, and it has 19 grams of protein, 80 cal- 180 calories, 5 grams of sugars, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else out on the shelves. And when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, you'll save 20% off your next order. Uh, that promo code is Locked On at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Bill Barr from BillBar.com. 
Locked on Aggies, presented by the Lock On Podcast Network. Paul Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The next two shows are going to be pretty special. There's a lot of research going into it, and I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to be doing. Two episodes breaking down the all A&M teams going into 2021. And just heads up, it's only going to be SEC. I love the, uh, the Aggies of the past. But this is a brand new era. This is a new shot for AM to make a name for themselves. I am going to do an only all SEC Aggies team. First day, all offense. Second day, all defense. Make sure you listen, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Let's keep this going right along. Next up, this is a tough one, but I'm going to go Carson Green. By the way, everyone's sitting there. Well, how do we know Carson Green's going to the NFL? Well, he's down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. He accepted his invite over the weekend, which that all but says I'm not coming back next year. And no offense, why should he? He had a great year, and it's time for him to show what he is valued at at the next level. I think Green is a little bit less effective because if he's going to be looked at more as a run defense, run blocker, which will probably move him inside. I think that when you look at his size, his measurables, and what he did for AM this past season – it's going to allow him to probably step up a little bit more as a overall pass blocker, I mean, run blocker. And that's where I think teams are going to try and find his best fit. Where does he work with run-heavy teams? What offense needs a guard with experience playing with three different types of running backs? The running game is so limited in the NFL right now. I think it's going to like the Cleveland Browns would be a great fit for him. I think if... The New York Jets kind of go to a more running scheme with Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur leading the charge, very similar to what they ran out in San Francisco. Be a good fit for him. I think San Francisco would be a good fit for him. I think Seattle, if they really are coming out and saying, we want to run the ball more, would be a good fit for him. But there's so many teams in the NFL today that are just so pass happy, pass, you know, pass strong. I think that's his weakness of, of the two areas that an offensive tackle needs. So he's going to be going to teams that I think really trust the run, and that's where I think he will make most of his success. Next up, Dan Moore. Dan Moore was the left tackle for two straight years. Dan Moore is going to be a guy that a lot of people look at. But same time, Dan Moore was not brought in to play at the senior bowl. He was not brought in to play at the, you know, at the other bowls. But again, left tackle. Love tackle prospects, they're tough to find. And more than that, they're tough to replace. If you have a great left tackle, you are in good hands for years to come, especially if you can get them young. There's right tackle prospects you can always look at. I think that Ruben Father is going to be a name to watch for. I think Kenyon Green is going to be a name to watch for. I think Chris Morris, if they decide to move off of uh, green at the right le- left guard position, just move, kick him out to the left tackle role. I think that Chris Morris is going to get a shot at right tackle. That left tackle role, it's right now between Chris Morris and Kenyon Green. Whoever gets that is going to be in for a load of pressure next year. Why? Because you're going to be blocking for a young quarterback and a new name that is still learning the offense, still learning to work with receivers, still learning to work with running backs, still trying to figure out all the cadences and processes that go through playing quarterback. The number two name on this list, play the position for years. Played it for years. 
you're getting a brand new start. That's a tough job for anyone who's playing left tackle. And that will be missed in College Station. Dan Moore may not be missed, but the position that he plays will, which makes Dan Moore, I think, more valuable than Carson Green. Again, I think that Morris, Ruben Fathery, or Green will be playing right tackle next year. I don't know who's playing left tackle right now. And that is a problem within a problem. Number two, I'm going to go Buddy Johnson. Listen, Aaron Hansford had a great year. Buddy Johnson had a better one. Buddy Johnson is the field general. He is the guy with the uh, microphone and the helmet. He's the one uh, you know, staying in contact with Mike Elko, play in and play out. And now you got to ask if Aaron Hansford's going to be the guy to step up. Or will Andre White, the rising sophomore, be the guy to step up? Who's going to be the guy to come in and replace that production? Will they go with a younger guy? Will they go with Antonio Doyle? Will they go with Edron Cooper? Will one of these two be able to come in? And more than any of that, will that same production be there? That middle of the field, as Jimbo Fisher has said multiple times, is becoming so important to have a player who can win in coverage as well that Andre White is going to be that role. Now, if Aaron Hansford can play kind of that pass rusher, that 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 four three-down linebacker, you're in a good spot. You're in a very good spot. If he can't, now you're asking for Edrin Cooper or Antonio Doyle to pretty much take the pressure off of White of doing everything and allow him to thrive in the area that he's done best. And this year, White was the best cover linebacker, in my personal opinion. I watched him. I think he had four really good games. He played really well in the uh, Orange Bowl as well. So I think that that's going to be his role. You need that thumper, that ground and pound. I'm going to add pressure to you. I'm going to make sure that your running back meets me at the line of scrimmage and he gains a yard. He goes backwards. You need that. That's why Buddy Johnson will be missed. But number one, it's a big one, it's Kyle Mon. People want to talk about Kellen Mon having an up-and-down you know, career at AM. So be it. Yes, it's very hard to evaluate Kellen Mon. And I actually spoke to three scouts last week about Kellen Mon. And they all told me the same thing. He's a four-year starter that has shown he deserved to be the starter, but is that enough to say that he was deserving of making the NFL roster? This is a guy who may need everything to go his way in 2021 at Mobile to be able to say, I am the next guy. I'm that guy. I can make it on a roster. And then once there, you got to battle it out with whoever's in the locker room for a starting role. Gonna be interesting. But the biggest thing of all is who's going to be in the AM locker room battling it out for a starting role? You have a brand new quarterback for the first time in four years. Jimbo Fisher has to start fresh. If you have a good quarterback, your linebackers can struggle. Their safety can give up two or three big-time plays a year. Your wide receiver can have two or three drops a game because you have the position that is so important to football. It's why... They're the highest paid players in the NFL. It's why that position is so strong. Sometimes it's great to have a good offensive line. I mean, look at Alabama. Alabama had one of the best offensive lines in college football. A&M had a better one. Just going to throw that out there. But they had one of the best offensive lines in college football. They had a ton of weapons. But Mac Jones still was a good enough quarterback to carry the team moving in and out. Ohio State, are they in that game without Justin Fields? And that's my knock. Justin Fields, for people who are saying, oh, he's going to fizzle out the NFL level. Maybe. But he was the reason that they were there. He's 100% the reason they were there. Notre Dame, defense. Ian Book did a good job. 
but it was their defense. Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter is not getting enough respect because of that's that was all Desmond Ritter's work. What he did with Luke Fickle and that offense made him a superstar, and that's why they were there. Georgia, JT Daniels. Look at the turnaround from when you had Jamie Newman supposedly start the year, then you had Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels. Does, does Georgia lose to Florida? Does do they lose to Alabama with that guy? Quarterback is so key. And AM has three really good options. They got the stereotypical quarterback, Zach Calzada. They have your up-and-coming Haynes King. And they have your fun do-it-all kind of guy in Eli Stowers. Whoever is the best fit needs to start next year. And the problem with that is it may be the best fit and you still may finish 10 and 2. You still may finish 9 and 3 because of what you have to try and replace. But if the that's the best you could give, that may be it. They're not a team that is 100%, oh, we can have an average quarterback play. You need great quarterback play next year. Kellen Mond was great quarterback playing for what Jimbo Fisher needed, and that's why he will be missed more than any other player on this upcoming roster. That's good for the decision of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. As I said, tomorrow's show, let's break down the greatest offense in the SEC that Texas A&M has ever had. But what does that mean? It means I'm going to pick every single position from players from the SEC era of Texas A&M and build the ultimate roster under Jimbo Fisher for 2021. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, you know, this has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.